I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 168 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving week. I absolutely love Thanksgiving. This is probably one of my favorite holidays. So I am so excited for this upcoming holiday. Now, if you are celebrating Thanksgiving later this week, I hope that you enjoy some time away from work with family and friends and can just soak in the holidays. And if you aren't celebrating Thanksgiving, I hope that you just enjoy a few extra days off of school this week. And tis the season to be grateful. So let me just say that I am so grateful and thankful for this podcast community. I truly do feel so honored that I get to be a part of your teaching journey each and every week and that I get to cheer you on with these episodes. It really does mean the world to me that you tune in and listen each week. So thank you and know that I have an extra special place in my heart filled with gratitude for all of the teachers in this audience. Now, this week on the podcast, we have a special guest, Sierra Harris, who is the creator behind Sierra Harris Teaching and is the host of the brand new podcast, The Literacy Lounge. And Sierra is incredibly knowledgeable about all things literacy, and she really has a passion for helping teachers build a strong culture of reading in their classrooms. And on today's episode, she has some really practical tips and strategies that will help you help your students fall in love with reading just a little bit more. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi, Sierra. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on as a guest today. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So you just launched your own podcast. How has that been going? (laughs) It's a whole nother world. It's super exciting. I love the fact that I'm going to be able to reach educators in a, in a completely different area. I think podcasts in education has really just blown up in the last like year or two. 
So I'm really excited about that. But I will say the tech has got me stumped, man. <laughs> when <laughs> you think it's easy to just like whip out a microphone and and just talk and it's not. So I'll get through the tech side of it, but I'm having fun. It's launching here in a few weeks and it's been really exciting. So, well, I know your listeners are going to enjoy it. And I know my listeners are going to enjoy this conversation today. And I know one of the things that you like to talk about in general with your audience, whether it's on your podcast or on your YouTube channel or in emails, is this idea of building a culture of reading in our classroom, which I think is so important. And sometimes that we, we forget to think about, we get so caught up in the standards and testing and the research and all of these things that we forget that we also want to have a culture of reading in our classrooms. But I also think sometimes we talk about having a culture of reading and we don't actually know what that even means. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about what does it mean to have a culture of reading? Like what does that actually mean, a culture of reading? Yeah, of course. That's a great question. So of course we know the word culture is defined by having like a shared set of beliefs or values, customs, anything that really brings members of a society together. So when you think about a culture of reading, it really refers to the type of atmosphere and environment that you are creating based on this love of reading, this importance, understanding of reading, and then the power behind reading. And overall, just understanding that reading is really a really personal experience that's unique for every single student and every reader. So really, just to put it more black and white, a teacher's culture of reading is reflected really from his or her passion, from their routines, their environment, and really like their overall literacy emphasis that they establish in their classroom. I love that. And I love this idea that like our culture of reading in our classroom is going to be different for every teacher and every student. And I even think that reminder that our culture of reading is very personal and it's reflective of students' unique reading experiences. My husband and I often have this debate at home. He is an engineer. So for him, everything is black and white and I am not. (laughs) I always consider like audiobooks as reading, right? So if you listen to an audiobook, I consider that as I always say, like I've read a book and I listen to it. You know, obviously it's not reading, but he is very adamant that like that is not reading. Like when you were listening to an audiobook, that is not reading. And we get <laughs> we get into this debate all the time. But it's one of those things where I'm just like, well, for me, like my personal experience, I consider reading an audiobook, listening to an audiobook as like part of my reading experience. And I think oh, yeah. it is so important to validate, you know, on those same lines, it's important to validate our students' personal reading experiences, recognizing that how they how they view reading, what their preferences are in reading, everything is going to be unique to the students, which I think is maybe one of the most beautiful things about creating a culture of reading in our classrooms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So why is it important to establish a culture of reading? Like, why is this something that it's important for our students? That's a good question. So first and foremost, I think building a culture of reading in your classroom really helps to show your students that reading is just so much more than this list of standards or a test or this lesson that we're doing, right? We, like you said at the beginning, we kind of get into this rut of, I'm just checking things off my list. And when you think about reading, like I love to remind teachers, like think about who you are as a reader right now, as an adult. I am a reader in my capacity of what I do for work. You know, I read things that I have to read or that I want to read to push myself. I'm also a reader in what I enjoy as far as my hobbies. Like I'll read blogs about crafting or I'll read blogs about hiking or 
animals. And then also like, what genres do I like to read for like personal experiences? I'm a hardcore thriller fan. I know you enjoy your, your thriller and crime novels as well. So like thinking about just reading is, is about who we are as people. And, you know, if, if we identify that as an adult, why aren't we doing that for children? You know, again, going back to the thing, it's, it's so much more than just this checklist. It's about who we are and who we want to become. And I think that when readers realize that reading is a very personal experience, that's very different for everyone. They can really start to see themselves as readers earlier on. I guarantee you, if I asked every listener right now to raise their hand, if they have ever had a student come to them at the beginning of the year, whether it's first grade or sixth grade, doesn't matter. And they have had kids say, I don't see myself as a reader. I'm not a reader. I can't read. But that's so much more. Like they may struggle. They may come to you. They may struggle with decoding. They may struggle with fluency. They may not have the strongest vocabulary. But reading is is thinking, right? Reading is about thinking and applying and connecting and really making what we're taking from that text personal. And I think that if students can see this this deeper connection and understanding of what reading really is, then they're going to identify themselves as a reader earlier on. And so that's one of the, the key elements of establishing that underlying culture of reading in the classroom. And then I think that overall, too, there are just so many benefits to really focusing on building this culture. We always say we want our students to be lifelong learners. We want them to develop empathy and understanding for others or build their communication skills or also looking at achievement just in other subjects like health and science and social studies. So when we focus as educators on putting literacy first, building this culture of reading to know that when this child walks into my room on day one, doesn't matter what the standards say or what the tests say, they are a reader. They can think. They can take a text and understand it. They can they can break that down and apply it to their own life. That's that's thinking. And that means that they're a reader. And when we get them to understand that, they're going to identify themselves as a reader early on, which is going to make the struggles of the little things, you know, the decoding and the morphology and whatever else, it's going to make those so much easier to tackle because we've we've almost fought the hardest battle, which is the the buy-in of what is a reader. I love that. Making it part of their identity. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of this. And I think I, going back to my husband, because we <laughs> ha, we have a lot of conversations about just that, like reading. I very much am a reader. I mean, I see myself as a reader. I'm constantly reading. I usually have two or three books that I'm reading. And my husband is someone, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, he does not see himself as a reader. He's like, I'm I'm not a reader. I don't like reading. You know, he can read. He's he's very smart, very intelligent, but he does not see himself as a reader. And I'm always pushing back against that because he reads news articles all of the time. He's constantly reading blog posts about like how to, he's he's big into like, you know, he's a machinist. And so he does like car projects uh-huh. and things like that. So he's always reading blog posts about that. And he has like books that he, you know, like manual type things that teach him how to do like welding and all of this garagey type stuff that I know nothing about. But he reads he just doesn't read novels. But yeah. I think it's like, you know, and I think for him that identity was sort of solidified back when he was in elementary school uh-huh. because he didn't enjoy reading the books his teachers gave him. And so yep. he d- he doesn't see himself as a reader, even though I'm like, you're reading all the time. Going back to what you said, I just feel like it's so important that our students recognize that you can be a reader even if you don't read books, whether it's blog posts or even social media captions, you know, all of uh-huh. these things in order to be a lifelong learner, in order to really, you know, 
be an active participant in society, you really are a reader. And I think it's so important that we help our students recognize that they don't have to love novels. They don't have to love picture books, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they aren't a reader. So I love this idea of making this a really important part of the culture of our classroom. So how do you know, so like if you're a teacher, like how can you determine whether you have a strong culture of reading in your classroom? Are there things that you should be paying attention for, looking for? How do you sort of assess your culture of reading in your classroom? Yeah. So there's a lot that really goes into building this culture of reading. And as it sounds, it's just so much more than that checklist of things that teachers can do. It's more about who I am as an educator. What is my philosophy of literacy? What kind of passion do I put behind building my readers and then the emphasis and intention to detail in my lessons and my routines. So I think there are some kind of reflective questions that we could go through to maybe help some teachers think about their own practices to see really where they are in this journey. So the first thing that I would have teachers think about is how much emphasis do you really put on books? So a true educator or an educator who has a true culture of reading Books are are everything to them. Are they actively trying to build a classroom library that's diverse and reflective of your school's demographics? Do you make books a priority every single day by reading aloud to your students for enjoyment? Do you model your own reading practices or do you talk about them with your students? I always loved bringing in the book that I read every day. It was in my bag and I made a point to put it on my desk. Even if I didn't pick it up and read it, because Lord knows teachers don't have time to, you know, do personal reading during the school day. But my book was on my desk to show the kids that I was a reader. And I guarantee you, it sparked interest. We would have conversations at the bathroom about Mrs. Harris, I saw your book and what's it about? And I would show them how interested I was and how exciting and how involved in like, you know, who I, because usually again, it was a thriller or a crime novel. And so who did I think, who did I think did it? Of course, if it was appropriate or, you know, those kind of things, just showing them that, you know, reading is, is a part of who I am. They need to see that outside of just, again, the checklist of standards that I'm teaching them that I, I too am a reader. So are you relentlessly like making sure to bring this life of books to life really in your classroom. Another question that I would have teachers reflect on is how well do you know your readers? And I know, of course, the beginning of the school year, it's all about building relationships and getting to know your kids. And that's fantastic. However, do you know your students as readers? I think that brings a whole nother level to do you know your students? So what genres are they interested in? And then on top of that, do you have those genres ready? Like I think about your husband who maybe as a child, again, was not into the novels or picture books, but maybe if there were how-to manuals or car manuals or recipe books or magazines, like there needs to be adequate access to all types of literacy in the classroom library or the school library to make sure that our kids have access to these. Also, what are their, your, your students' likes and dislikes when it comes to hobbies and life experiences? Who are their favorite authors? So one of the most important jobs as teachers is for us to be able to relentlessly book match for our students. If we can put the right book into the right reader's hand, it can truly change everything. Another question that I always make sure to ask my teachers is how engaged are your students? I think this is a big reflection on whether or not you have established a strong culture of reading. 
do you, you and your students really get excited when it comes time to teaching reading or do they groan and moan? Like I've been in classrooms as, as a reading coach where that's, you know, it's, oh, it's time for reading. Let's get out our reading books. And it's just a complete shift in just motivation and engagement and their overall like body movements and everything. It's just like the fun is just being sucked out of that classroom. So the more passion you exude, the more contagious, obviously, it's going to become. So bring literacy to life through your read-alouds, through your critical thinking questions, your hands-on activities. Are you collaborating with your students? Are they collaborating with each other? So what type of engagement do you really see? And I think the last question, honestly, would be, do your students like to read? I mean, I know that especially the higher up in grades you get, the harder it's going to be to battle the years and years of non-reading cultures that you've had potentially for your students. So you're not going to get to 100%. And if you do, that's amazing. 100% of your kids loving to read like, holy crap, I want to be in that classroom. But if you asked your students honestly, what would they say? Do they love to read? And if not, then the teachers before them have really done them a disservice. They really haven't focused on the culture of reading. It probably was a classroom where it was standards checklist and this test and that test and this lesson and not connecting reading to who we are as people. They see reading as a chore instead of an escape. And so they think that they're not readers because they can't sound out words or they can't read fast. They've identified the wrong things as what a reader is, right? I can't read because I can't sound out this word or whatever. Their understanding of reading is flawed, and then it's up to us to really ensure that that changes. So many good things that you put in here. And I think like as you're listing off these questions, I'm even thinking about sort of reflecting back when I was in the classroom and even, you know, this idea of how much emphasis do we put on books? And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the standards and the assignments. And it's like, even if we use a book for the purpose of a lesson, and it's like, obviously our job as educators is to make sure that our students, you know, can read, that they master the standards. Like that is what we're, that's what our job is. But also like making sure that there is that time where we are just enjoying a story and talking about it and having that time to you know, have that shared experience. But I also think to this idea of like, you know, like how engaged are our students and like, do our students actually like to read? And again, are we making sure that our students have access to books, but not even books? Cause I think sometimes we almost put like too much emphasis on books because I think like an audiobook isn't technically a book. You know, like when we think of like books in a library, like we don't necessarily book, yeah. inventory our audiobooks, but I'm like, we really should be making sure that our students have access to things like audiobooks and magazines and that they know how to find like articles online. Cause I feel like, especially as the digital age continues to like improve, like we want to make sure that our students can, they know how to access those things. And that when we talk about this big category of books, that our students see that as that overarching, like reading experience. And that even if it's not a physical book, like if they're reading an audio book, like that is, I always say reading an audio book, even though it's like, if they're listening to an audio book, if they're reading an article, but all of those things are part of their reading experience. And do they have access to those in their class? And I, I definitely put a lot of emphasis on the books in my classroom, which I think was great for my students. But I'm like, you know what, I probably could have given my students more access to audiobooks or shown them like, you know, cool blogs with like articles that I think kids would have enjoyed because even some students that, you know, the physical book just isn't going to be the thing that excites them, but there mm-hmm. is another reading experience that will really connect with them. So I love all of those questions for teachers to consider. And I definitely think, especially as we are 
you know, a couple months into the school year, it's good to really think about, okay, where are we at with our culture of reading and what are things that we can do this year to continue to build that identity with our students? So speaking of that, what are some really practical things that teachers can do to help build a culture of reading inside their classroom? Yeah, again, so there are so many different components and it's really, again, about the passion and philosophy. So I think there's some really deep reflection that all educators need to do, but I kind of came up with like maybe five different things that I could share here that I would encourage all teachers to do to kind of ensure that they're on the right track. The first thing that I would make sure that educators are doing is to explain that readers are thinkers. So too many students from first grade and beyond, they really have this idea in their head that to be a good reader, you have to read every word perfectly. You have to read fast. You have to understand every single word the first time around, right? All of these little things that make up a quote, a good reader. And instead, our students need to know that readers are thinkers and that if you can think, you are a reader. Readers ask questions, they visualize, they make connections. And all of this involves my amazing brain and my ability to think. So this was always something that I taught at the very beginning of the school year. I want them to see like their brain works. Therefore, they are a reader, period. I don't care if you don't even know a letter sound. You are a reader because you can think. Because if you honestly think about, and I'm doing a lot of research right now because I'm getting my doctorate in literacy. I'm really excited about it. But I'm doing a lot of research on just what is like metacognition and comprehension and all of this. And everything that I'm finding is like reiterating the fact that what is our goal when we read, right? It is to think about the material. So if I can think that I've already kind of accomplished that end goal, now we just have the little pieces and steps in between. So I want my kids to know that they are readers because they are thinkers. I love that. And I think that's such an important point too, because, you know, so often we think about comprehension as a product, right? It's the outcome of reading, but ultimately like comprehension is the process that we go through. A hundred percent. Unfortunately, we assess it as if it's a product. And so yeah. kind of like <laughs> to your point, you know, students have this idea that, you know, if I, if I don't get the answer right on a multiple choice test that has to do with reading, then I'm not a good reader when it's like, no, that has nothing to do with it at all. You know, or even how it's like, you know, I always talk a lot about when students make an inference, Every student's inference is going to be different in a text because it's going to be their interpretation and their application of background knowledge. You know, it's just like there's not always one correct answer to our questions about a text because everybody's thinking is a little bit different. And I think sometimes the way our school system is set up is we put comprehension and understanding in a box. And that, I think, limits students' understanding of what reading actually is. So I love that you're prioritizing this idea that reading really has a lot to do with thinking. Yeah, absolutely. If they know that they have brains that work, like you're going to break battles, you're going to build their confidence so much more and get them ready to do the little things like the vocabulary work, the the phonics work, all of those pieces. But when they know that reading is really all about understanding and thinking and connecting to that text, and they can do that when they're listening, like you said, with audiobooks. So go back to your husband and let him know that <laughs> all those audiobooks are reading, right? Because reading is thinking. You are thinking as you listen to that audiobook. You are comprehending, so you are reading. But I really want them to see themselves as readers. And so letting them know that they have brains that work, that think, they're already a reader. So we're readers. Now let's move on and kind of fill in these little holes that we have to get you to be the best reader you could possibly be. So good. So I would say the next thing that I would encourage teachers to do is to build a classroom library. 
students have to have immediate access to books, period. One trip to the school library a week does not cut it, unfortunately. And research really does show that the increased volume of book consumption and a strong classroom library presence helps students' literacy achievement overall. So books need to be there so that teachers can, one, use them to model reading strategies and skills with like mentor texts. Two, to book match. I know I mentioned that before. Like, you know your students, can you match the perfect book to them? So it's our job to do that. So if you don't have access to those books, then you're not able to do that job of book matching. So in the books need that you're building in your classroom, they need to be a representation of the demographics of the classroom. So if you have the way you have like a large variety of genres, topics, authors, to really be able for students to use them on a daily basis and even to take them home. So book access is absolutely key. Another thing that I would encourage teachers to do is really to talk more about reading. Kind of like what I mentioned with the whole bringing my own book to you know the classroom, even though I'm not reading it, it's sitting on my desk and we're going to talk about it. So if we're only talking about reading during our reading lessons, then that's not a true culture of reading, right? That's a checkbox and a list of standards. So talk with your students about what they're reading and what you are reading. One of my favorite routines, I don't know if you've heard of this, not something I created, but I loved always doing something called the status of the class. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it before, but I don't think we ever did it when I was teaching. I did it later in the last few years when I was actually in the classroom. But basically, for the listeners who don't know what it is, it's where every student gets like 20 seconds. You can do it during like your morning meeting. You can do it like at the end of the day, wherever you've got like less than five minutes, honestly. But basically, every student gets 20 seconds to update us on the book that they're currently reading instead of like a reading log. It's so much better to just get them to talk about their books. Again, bring the book that you're reading to school. Encourage the students to ask you questions about it. In your reading lessons, make more time for peer-to-peer discussions. I always encourage my teachers to really reflect on less teacher talk, more yeah. student talk to really help build their literacy skills and really deepen that that understanding of what you're teaching. I love that. We would do a longer variation of that, but we would do book talks. So students oh, yeah. would have you know, more like two to three minutes to do like a book commercial and talk about their book. And I always found that when we started to do things like that in our classroom, and we would do them like students would give like one book talk a month, but because we had this regular opportunity for students to share books, then they were more likely to have conversations about books like at recess and at lunch Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, I want to read that book when you're done reading it. Like, can I read that one next? You know, and then we started to create like wait lists for books because students were talking about it and hearing about it. And it just created more of this book buzz. And I always think about like, I, I mean, you and I have talked about books before where it's like, Hey, I'm reading this. Like, have you read this one? Or what did you think? You know, but it's like, I love talking about books with my friends. And so I want students to have that same connection. You know, if that's something that is of interesting to them, it's like make that available to them during the instructional day. So I love the prioritizing of talking more about reading and letting students especially talk more about reading. Yeah, it's again, it's if you think about culture and what we're doing, like you're you're building that understanding that reading is a part of what we do. It's a part of who we are. So we're going to talk about it. So we need to talk about it more than just, you know, from 11 to 12, because that's our reading block. Right. And we don't talk about reading anymore. That's not really the the true reflection of that culture of reading. So I've got two more quick things that I would encourage teachers to do. One would be to teach and emphasize your reading strategies. So we know it's going to take a while for all of the components of literacy to click, right? It's going to take first grade, second grade, third grade. That's why 
We teach reading every year because it's a whole process. Yeah. So with everything from things like phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, all of the components of literacy, there's a lot that encompasses comprehension. But research really shows that we actually can be teaching metacognitive strategies while we are teaching them to decode or when we're improving things like fluency, et cetera. This not only helps students to improve their overall comprehension skills at a very earlier age, but it really helps them to see themselves as readers. And it doesn't matter if I can read every word correctly or how fast I read. If I can't actively think about the text, then they're just words on a page. So we're kind of doing two things at once. For our more primary listeners out there, yes, we want to teach them phonics. Absolutely want to teach them you know, vocabulary and morphology. All, all of those components are so important. But we also need to be teaching them to think at the same time. So focus on strategies such as metacognition, building your background knowledge, activating and using your background knowledge, visualizing, asking questions, making connections, like all of those things. And so this, honestly, this is one of the things that I love helping the members inside of my Building Comprehension membership about. We really focus hard on those reading strategies. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point. All of the parts that you mentioned, the phonemic awareness, the phonics, the fluency, the vocabulary, the comprehension, nothing happens in isolation. Yet sometimes we have this tendency to be like, okay, let me teach phonics by itself. And then let me teach vocabulary Mm -hmm. by itself. And then let me teach comprehension by itself. But especially with comprehension, we can't have comprehension if we don't have all of those other things. So while we're teaching those other things, we should also be promoting the comprehension and the understanding of the text. And really, it's just like everything needs to fit together. But it can be so hard to do that, you know, when it's just like you have sort of like your isolated blocks, you know, when things are broken up. But yeah, we definitely Mm -hmm. need to be prioritizing. The understanding of text is always the end goal, whether you're reading a decodable reader in, you know, first grade or you're reading a big novel in fifth grade. We want our students to be able to understand the text and obviously spending time with those comprehension strategies and thinking about it as as a big part of that. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you don't want the first time that your students are understanding or thinking about comprehension is after they've checked off every box. And now it's like, okay, I I can read this. Yeah. But what does that even mean? (laughs) Right? I remember in fourth grade, I would have students that they were fluent readers. They were beautiful readers. They could read every single word perfectly. They knew individual vocabulary words. But -hmm. when I asked them to really think about the text and give me, whether it was a summary or analyze a character or make some inferences, they were so lost and so confused, you know? And it's just like, okay, yeah, the student can actually decode and read the text, but they have not cultivated those skills that allow them to really think deeply about the text. So it's, yeah, definitely something we need to make sure we're doing across the the entire spectrum of reading. Absolutely. All right. So the last thing I would say, and I think this is kind of funny because we've been talking so much about, you know, your husband and his experience, but I would say, let your students read what they want to read. We should never be saying no to a student who is wanting to read something. And I myself struggle with this as a mom because I still have a fifth grader who still loves to read and is obsessed with Dogman. And I have to tell myself, it is perfectly okay. And it is still building him as a reader. And it's it's not doing any harm at all to let him read that book. So if it's too easy, it's fine. It's improving fluency. If it's too hard, it's okay. It's encouraging strategies. If it's a cookbook or a graphic novel or a magazine, it does not matter. Let students choose what they want to read. So when children are given the autonomy to choose the books that interest them, they're really more likely to be engaged. They're more likely to develop that genuine love of reading, which goes back to what we're talking about today, right? 
And this is going to be done by letting students select their own books for, of course, independent reading, suggesting titles for classroom read-alouds. I think that's a great way to encourage choice as well. And then even help curate the classroom library. Like I always know when the, the book fair came along, I made my kids do the shopping for our classroom library. I didn't I go that. do it myself. They did it. I love that. So that personal investment, yeah, is really in their reading choices. And it really helps to foster that deeper connection to the overall material. I love that. And I think that's such an important point and such a great way to sort of end this conversation. I remember one of my favorites. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but one of my favorite students <laughs> of all time in fourth grade, he had an obsession with Minecraft. And that is one oh, of yeah. the only books that he wanted to read. And I wanted to fight him on it because I was like, no, like there are so many other books. Like he had four Minecraft books and he reread them so many times over the year, but he was excited every time he reread one and he actually enjoyed reading and he stayed engaged. And every time he read that book, because he read the same four books over and over and over again, he was like, oh, I read this book and I pulled out this new thing or I discovered this, you know, so he was still benefiting from it. And I just remember, I was like, you know what? Like, those are not the books that I would have chosen for him. I probably in previous years would have made him read something else. But the fact that I didn't make an argument out of it, and I was just like, yeah, if you want to read those books, go for it. If you want to read them again and again and again, go for it. And as a result, he enjoyed that reading experience so much. And I think that is so important that we let students read what they want. Like you said, whether it's a cookbook, a graphic novel, or a magazine, the important things is that they are engaged in the reading experience. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Sierra, this has been so great. I love your passion for reading and I love the passion that you have for wanting teachers to build a culture of reading in their classroom. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your knowledge and so many great little nuggets and bits of encouragement for teachers. Where can my audience find you and connect with you online if they want to continue to learn from you? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way is just to go to the website. So www.sierraharristeaching.com. And you spell my name C-I-E-R-A. There's like a thousand different spellings for that name. <laughs> I'm sure, Sarah, you understand. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so when you go to the website, you can get to the podcast from there, the blog from there, professional development, anything that you possibly need. It's all kind of right there. So that'd be the easiest way. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.